0: we should or shouldn't be doing with our life is a little bit more evident than others and I I don't know if you remember like when American Idol first came out and and you started seeing some of these auditions and 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 there there were there were just some very specific things that went through my mind Uh, the couple things that I will share with you this morning uh, like one thing was this how has this person gotten this far in life thinking, like, that this could possibly be a career path for them or a thing that they might achieve. And the second thing is, do they not have anybody that loves them <laughs> enough to say, like, hey, maybe, maybe you could direct your giftedness and abilities maybe in a, in a more reasonable, uh, you know, or commensurate with your, you know, abilities kind of area in your life. Um, and uh, anyway, I, I just think, I think some of that stuff is amazing. And I know, like, one of the things I know about myself is that I'm never going to make it on the uh, motivational speaker circuit because I think it's important to be honest. And that's just, I don't know, that's just a thing for me. And so, like, for example, I see the pithy encouragement graphics that are shared on social media. And so you'll see one kind of like this that's shared pretty often that says, you can do anything. You can be anything you want to be as long as you believe in yourself and work hard. And my reaction to that is, yeah, that's not true. Uh, I mean, it just... Life, real life, just doesn't quite work that way. It's like a demotivational poster that I've seen. Are you guys familiar with demotivational posters? You should Google it sometime. Um, this is a good one. Potential. Not everyone gets to be an astronaut when they grow up. And so that's kind of more along the lines of how I think about those things. And, and before, before you feel too badly for my children... Um, I, like I do absolutely believe that we live in an era of massive opportunity and resources for uh, people to be able to grow and combine interest and ability to do a bunch of amazing things. Uh, one example I saw this past week, I saw an article uh, where there was this New Zealand man who had to go into an HR, this is a true thing, like a real article, he went into a meeting with HR because they were doing layoffs at the company, and apparently one of their... Uh, Traditions is that you can bring somebody with you to that meeting for support. And so this gentleman brought along a, and hired a clown to come with him to the meeting. And so throughout the meeting as they're talking, this, this clown is making balloon animals. And, like, I don't know, like, what, what's happening, that, like, they offered him to other people in the meeting and, like, the employee would reach over and pop it or something, you know, kind of like a passive aggressive thing or what. And then when, uh, when the employee was handed the paperwork for his layoff, the, the clown mimed crying, like, that, that's what he was there. So, I, it just goes to show, like, we live in a day and age where if you wanted to for a career, you could become an emotional support clown. And, and, and get paid for that. And so we live in amazing, incredible, incredible times. And when somebody does find their sweet spot, something that is so maybe absurdly specific uh, like that, but, but when it comes to their work or their career, it's very evident. But one of the things that we know that's true for a lot of people across the, across the globe is that not everyone feels that way about what they do. And there's all kinds of advice about how to get to that place in your life where you love what you do and you do what you love, but the pop culture approach doesn't quite seem to hit the nail on the head for most people. And so last week, we suggested taking on this exercise of asking yourself the question, why do you do what you do? And we talked about that in the context, and depending on how like you dealt with that question and if you did at all this past week, within the context of last week's message. You know, it's with understanding that God's intent, his original intent for work is for it to be a good gift for us, for us to be able to experience his meaning and purpose for us as we work alongside of him. And the more you feel drawn to your work for that reason versus all the other things and possible byproducts for work like money or power or benefits or whatever else, the happier we'll all be in our work. All of us on some level want to be in a place where we feel like we're doing what we love or something that we have a burden for or we've been made for um, or however else you want to describe it. And this is a very Christian way of saying it, um, something that we're called to do. So whether you already feel that way or never have or don't think that you have anything in your life that would make you feel called to do something specific with your work, uh, we're going to make that connection of, of how to get to that place of connecting our why to the meaning and God purpose, why we do what we do to the meaning that, uh, and purpose that God has for all of us. Because when we combine that with what God has called us to do and be, we connect our souls more directly, more acutely to the good news of the kingdom of God. And here's the thing, like if nobody has, uh, has ever told this to you uh, before, this is, this is something that you need to know, is that we're all called to something. All of us have some sort of call in our life. And we even say this with the way that we describe a work. We might say uh, that this is our vocation, like our career, it's our vocation. And that word is rooted in Christian origins. That word came from a Latin root that means a call or to call. And it started off with people who were called into full-time Christian ministry for their jobs, So clergy, that was originally what it's used for. And of course, we have branched that out and we use it for all kinds of different lines of work and career paths that people, uh, people uh, have in this life. But originally, it s- referred specifically to clergy in terms of a career. But from a biblical perspective and understanding of, of work and how God redeems and unifies us in his kingdom, all of our vocations combine together into ministry for the kingdom of God. Uh, Paul writes in response to questions about how our change from non-believer to follower of Jesus is meant to practically change some of the status and situations we find ourselves in, and one of his responses to that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 17, he says this, "'Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches.'" he's not talking about continuing to live in sin or live in such a way or staying in a situation that's dictated by the sin of another. But the point uh, being that as a believer, regardless of your status in life, you have been called by God for a purpose. Whether you feel like your purpose is meaningful when you compare it to somebody else's, like, that's not the point of, of this at all, that you've been called specifically by God for a purpose. And as reflective image bearers of God, those who've been made in God's image as human beings, our calling reverberates with what we say about who God is through how we live our lives, which includes our work. Now, there is a danger here that keeps us separated from this and keeps us distracted from it um, to this sweet spot of calling and the way that we see it maybe as an example in other people when we're envious or jealous, when we see people in a place that we'd like to be. And that's when our passions and our giftedness and our circumstances converge to provide an overabundance of some of the byproducts of our work, like money and power and fame. Um, The calling itself then becomes a god for us or for many people. There are innumerably talented people in this world who, who aren't Christians, and they don't have to be Christians in order to experience that sweet spot of what they've been designed and created uh, to be able to, uh, to do. Um, but they miss out on the fulfillment of the meaning and purpose that God has for them when the gift of that purpose is separ- separated from the why the gift was given. Most, if they don't know their calling, they're more concerned with, you no, know, specifically, I want to know what I should do with my life. And so we'll do things like Myers-Briggs or take a disc analysis or Strengths Finders, or uh, we'll do the Enneagram or career counseling. And all those things are great things, absolutely, but they don't help when that sweet spot is taken away or when it's soured by the brokenness of the world. And the knowing of why of, the, of, why of our calling is of primary importance to the specifics of our calling. And so we're going to look through how the Bible structures this, and I think there are three phases uh, that as you read and study through the Bible, you can see pretty clearly when it comes to how we discover the specifics of our calling and why it has meaning and purpose through God. And so um, here, here are the, the things that all of us are called to and how it, how it narrows down into our unique uh, context as individuals. The first is this, is that all of humanity is called into a relationship with God. And this this may sound uh, more like demotivational poster material, but but this is the truth. We don't all get to do what we want to do, to provide ourselves with the necessities of life. So so like I love I love all of you, and I'm not meaning for this to like. Hopefully you don't take offense to this statement, but I'm pretty sure the next American Idol is not in this room. And I, I'm just throwing that like if that's if that's your dream and want to do that, I'm. I'm I'm fairly certain that's, that's, not, that's not the case. And to a degree, the message of you can be whatever you want to be is born out of the height of luxurious living. And when compared to much of the rest of the world, the opportunities that we're afforded are more akin to lottery winnings than an intrinsic need to have our wants fulfilled. And, and it's also born out of sometimes a desire to be something that we're not called and created to be. Something that doesn't connect with the talents and abilities that God has imbued us with for purpose and meaning to be a part of his kingdom of God. And the fact that God calls us to himself first over everything else is a precious grace in this regard. And here's why. Even the most ideal situation in the world brings with it the potential of an overwhelming circumstance or event that threatens to steal the joy of fulfillment in our calling. You could be in the best job that you've ever had in your life, and all it can be ruined by a shift in the economy, or a bad boss, or horrible co-workers, or layoffs, or other times it may be a personal tragedy, or a sickness, or some other event. And the fact that God fulfills this need of being full of meaning and purpose with what we do in our lives, completely himself, he fulfills that need completely in himself is the hope that we need when what we do or don't do for money doesn't seem to be able to be a part of this equation of fulfillment. Listen in on this prayer for the Christians in Ephesus and Christians everywhere that Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The calling that is of primary importance in our life, the specific calling of why we do what we do and who we're called to be in God has already been fulfilled through him, through Jesus. The second thing, that the second phase is directly called to this, and the way that God calls us to himself also includes a call to each other. Our personal growth and our work is directly tied to the communal work in which we participate together as a body of believers. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And then skipping down to verse 11, I would encourage you to read uh, the verses that are there on your own time, but skipping down to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Just as the first call of humanity is to be redeemed to God through Jesus, the result of that work and the kingdom of God that Jesus establishes and is, is built by our work among, with, and for each other. None of us can do our work or even live our lives in isolation. We can't do it without each other. It's one of the reasons why every year at different points throughout the year we plug and promote small groups at Velocity because we know that we can't do life alone. We weren't wired for that. We were wired to work alongside of each other, live alongside of each other, serve each other, pray for each other, study together, encourage one another. Even the most singular talents around the world cannot function on their own. And so you think about, I don't, I don't know if you're into actors or athletes or whoever it might be, the most famous you know, physicist in the world, whatever it may be, that person does not function or become who they are on their own just because of their talents and abilities. They have assistants, managers, agents, families, and more that create a necessary symbiotic relationship in order to be able to flourish and thrive. There's so much about our work that's intertwined with each other and how we think about our work and the things that we do. And unfortunately for many, there's this spillover spiritual spillover effect that is often on the back burner because it seems to be an unrelated issue and because we're distracted we're distracted by all the things that we feel like this is what our work is supposed to accomplish It's to make money so we can live and eat and work and 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 have a house and all those kind of, kinds of things and yet much of the fulfillment gifted to us by God to feel is found in loving each other just as Jesus loves us that relationship we're called to with each other and so those things combined with with our specific calling that that's the sweet spot that God has meaning and purpose for us and this third phase that connects the other two together is the key is that all of us in our specific calling are called to reconcile the world with our faith in God in first in second Corinthians chapter 5 Paul writes this so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this was from God, who reconciled us to himself, to Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, Paul is absolutely speaking here in regards to how we spread the gospel and share Jesus in our lives, and we're going to be talking about that more in a couple weeks, but I'm hoping this helps to give maybe a, hopefully a clearer picture of, of how all of this ties together with our specific calling. We're all given the specific vocation of reconciliation in our work, in, in how we live our lives. That, that the enemy of sin and death is fought against and defeated by the ministry of reconciliation that Jesus takes place, place in, in our place in his death, burial, and resurrection. And we get to partner with him in that by sharing that good news with others in everything that we do. However directly or indirectly you view your work as being tied to your faith, if your work helps the world and people thrive and flourish by setting things to right, it is a meaningful part of the ministry of reconciliation. And that's how we're called to view why we do and what we do in this life. As you pursue God more and more, the character and nature of your heart and soul and mind and strength are shaped by His. And so the things that move you, the things that interest you, that excite you, that anger you or sadden you, those are glimpses into how you've been molded and gifted by God to do what's meaningful in your life. And as we grow in relationship with others who are pursuing the same love for God, guided along by God's Word and by the leading of the Holy Spirit, We're able to help provide godly counsel and wisdom for each other and how we see how we're wired to reconcile what is broken around us and to what is made new through Jesus. And as you connect these things toward what God is calling you to, whatever the path looks like to that place in your life, failure, opportunity, what you're good at, what you're bad at, the needs around you, the way that you've been blessed, all come together to guide and direct you to your calling. And don't expect it to be straightforward. I never wanted to be a preacher. I mean, that was not a... You can laugh at that if you want to. Like, I don't, I'm not sure about the reaction. Like, first service, like I'm not sure about the reaction to, to that statement. Um, but that was not like on my list of things to do when I was trying to figure out what my career path was going to be. What I wanted to do is work specifically with teenagers in a church context. So be a youth minister. And I was talking with Renee about this the other day, and and really, if I think about it from a technical standpoint, even though I've, I've done youth ministry as part of my career in ministry, I've never had the opportunity to specifically only focus on that thing that originally I thought, man, this is what God is calling me to do in my life. But what is obvious and what is evident through all the crazy things that I've experienced through ministry in this career path is that... God has been consistent in leading me to the calling on my heart that is, I want people to know and understand God more and to see how He makes a difference in their life. And that's the thing that God has always been consistent in calling me to. Our specific calling is much broader than we tend to think because our specific calling isn't tied to a specific circumstance. From the very beginning of the word vocation, there's been this divided understanding in how what all of us do is tied together. Originally, you know, clergy were the only people who were called into something because you, you kind of have to be in order to do something like ministry. I mean, this is not something a bunch of people are lining up to do in their lives. But that doesn't mean that all the, everybody else isn't called. Check out this quote from Dallas Willard. He says this, There truly is no division between sacred and secular except what we have created. And that is why the division of the legitimate roles and functions of human life into the sacred and secular does incalculable damage to our individual lives and the cause of Christ. Holy people must stop going into church work as their natural course of action. And not that many of us are silly enough to do that. Um, And take up holy orders in farming industry, law, education, banking, and journalism with the same zeal previously given to evangelism or to pastoral and missionary work. And here's why. Because whatever context you're in, like the thing that you feel God calling you to and, and what you do in your work and your career and your vocation, like that is where the evangelism and pastoral ministry work, missionary work that God has called you to needs to take place. The world is in desperate need of the message of reconciliation and ministers of reconciliation in your line of work. Christians who are dedicated to helping people find Jesus and love God in their vocation, because doing this well points humanity to the the need and the fulfillment of meaning and purpose that God promises. And it leads them to be surrounded by a community who are encouraging and praying and serving one another, even when that need for fulfillment isn't being met because of whatever is going on in our life. If you are a barista, brew coffee to the best of your ability because you are taking this amazing plant and the bean from it and creating this life-giving elixir for so many people in this world. You're helping deals go down in the Starbucks. You're helping people start their day better than they would if they didn't, ha- didn't have it. You're bringing life to a gift of God's creation. Right? And, and you might, may chuckle about that, but and, no, that's, that's how God imbues what we do with meaning and purpose when we're cognizant of why we do what we do. If you're a stay-at-home parent, do that to, you're, do, you're leading in one of the most difficult leadership positions that exists on the planet. You have one of the toughest jobs that exists. And when you do that to the best of your ability, you know that you're raising your child to know Jesus, to be reconciled to God. If you're an artist, know that as you create, you reflect the creativity of a creator, if you're a doctor, you're helping reconcile people to health, and you know how health impacts everything that we do in this life. It affects our ability to share and encourage and minister to one another. If you're sick, I was talking about this with somebody uh, last week. We are talking, oh, man, I miss like, not being able to be at work because... Uh, because of where my health is right now, if you're sick, like, your work is to reconcile your health to the best of your ability. If you're injured, you're going to physical therapy. You're doing the best you can in that moment. Like, that is your work right now, is to get better. Your work is a part of your me- message and ministry of reconciliation. It's your service to live out in the new creation life to which we've all been called. And maybe you're doing exactly what you know you've been called to do. That's amazing. Um, that, that's that's an incredible thing and let me encourage you to continue growing in the next steps of seeing of how that work is directly tied to the evangelism and the pastoral uh, ministry and missionary work um, in pointing others to God and bringing reconciliation in their life. It's so easy to get uh, distracted by, Uh, Achievement and to be self-absorbed when you're in that place And so I just want to encourage you to recognize that blessing so you can help others experience that as well but maybe uh, Like many people what you're doing doesn't match up with anything that connects with who God has wired you to be at least You don't feel that way and maybe it's your circumstance that needs to change Maybe you started off really specific and you just need to give yourself a bit more freedom and space to see and grace to see how that calling plugs into other contexts. Or maybe you've built all those things on the wrong foundation and you realize if you exchange what you're doing now for what God has given you a passion for, there might be a new way forward in life. But I know that's a little scary to consider too. And look, like I, I don't want an email on Monday, um, hey, I quit my job, I have no idea what I'm doing next. Like, that's not, that's not what this is about. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. Um, but considering that, that maybe you've been wired to do something that's causing you to burn out, that's causing you to be miserable just because of the paycheck, like like maybe, maybe that, that's the wrong thing to choose a career path based on and that you could experience something that will help you feel and experience God's grace being more whole when reconciled with who you've been called to be rather than what you're currently doing and so i'm going to encourage you to take the time to pray and think and seek godly counsel about what may be keeping you where you are now that you sense a disconnect in your calling and what it might look like to move to the why you do what you do god has for you the world needs us to be aware of our specific callings in life that we've been called to this message of reconciliation that we've been called to relationship with each other and that all of us have been called to relationship with god whatever context you find yourself in people need to know that that fulfillment of meaning and purpose exists and we get to model that with people when we know why we do what we do and when we live out this good work that god has gifted us in whatever place that we find ourselves in. So let me pray for us as we consider that, as we let the Holy Spirit work on us, wherever we may be in that uh, in that broad spectrum of work and how we think about it and how we're living it out as we prepare for a time of communion together this morning. God, um... How we feel about things versus how we think about uh, things, uh, there's, there's often a disconnect that needs to be reconciled there, and we just ask for your Holy Spirit to do that if that's the case uh, when it comes to us and our calling. God, we ask that you help us to see how these things are intertwined, um, how your character and nature s- seeks to uh, partner with us to bring us alongside of you in your work. Um, and how all those things are, are connected. And God, help us to see a clear path forward and how meaningful what we do uh, is when we give you the honor and the glory for that, and when we do it directed toward you. God, we, uh, we thank you for the gift of calling, and we thank you for being willing to uh, partner alongside of us in, in this way uh, because it extends our meaning and our value far beyond just ourselves. God, we ask that um, as we uh, think through and pray through how you might uh, be sharing this message of reconciliation through us as your ambassadors, that, um, God, that we have uh, your wisdom and strength and heart for others uh, to make it so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.